0: My first guest, Sharon, whom I introduced in a preceding trailer, is a paralegal employed in Vancouver, Canada. She shares some insight how lessons from an early military career helped her not only through a major job transition in 2020, but also how she was able to endure through the pandemic in her job and with her family life. Teamwork. It's entrenched in every aspect of a soldier's career starting day one at boot camp. And it is held to the highest standard because lives depend on it. Highly functioning professionals and organizations get this principle too. But giving recognition and appreciation where it is due is essential for maintaining employees and building a culture of trust. Sharon is raw, candid, and she's funny. She's a sweet, dry, chardonnay taste of reality and doesn't sugarcoat anything. If wine is your weapon, well, then lock and load. I mean, what the fuck? Who didn't have to sit down with a glass of wine or several, several times last year just to process what the hell was happening? So sit down, pour a glass of wine, coffee, or tea, and enjoy.
1: I want to begin um, this episode, and I said this in my trailer, just to give condolences to the loved ones of um, Sergeant. Andrew Harnett, Calgary Police, uh, who was killed while conducting that traffic stop on December 31st. And this tragedy gave me time to take a pause and reflect on those who give their lives and continue to give their lives in protecting the safety and security of others. Those are in uniform. And it was funny because it made me think about you, Sharon, of course, because um, of the fact that you too served in uniform. And I found it very ironic that I was preparing for this Podcast, and that incident happened. I turned and I looked at Gavin, my husband, of course, and I said, "Isn't that, isn't that something?" Because Sharon too served military police, and that may just be a time that I should take as an opportunity to commend you for your service and the work that you do in the line of duty and protecting public safety. So, thank you, Sharon, for doing that uh, for your time in uniform. You're, You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, and I think that, and it's a nice way to segue into our conversation um, by first leading with your backstory. And of course, your military crew was very much a part of your backstory um, and how this has shaped your values and even your passion today um, and honed your expertise, not only just in your profession, but I would probably say in many facets of your life. So I'm gonna let you just take it from there your earlier career and how has that defined you as an individual and shaped your approach um, to enduring through the global pandemic?
2: Uh, Well, with my military career, it's really, um, it really emphasized the fact that um, my accomplishments are my accomplishments and my failures are my failures. Um, But at the same time, many of my accomplishments wouldn't happen without my um, peers, so to speak. So, you know, team exercises require um, teamwork, that it's there, there's no I and we. However, when there is an I and only an I, then it's I that won, so to speak. But when there's an I and I lose, then there's only an I that failed.
1: You know, and I love how you say that taking ownership of your accomplishments and your failures. And when I read that in your responses, I immediately thought about the word grit and more specifically, um, Angela Lee Duckworth um, has a great book on grit. And I was required to actually refer to that in the beginning stages of my master's program. And her theory of grit is defined as power of passion and perseverance. But then she also says that failure is not permanent, in fact, as we look at our life, failure is very much that that turning point um, of that change, that resilience mm-hmm. where we, we decide, do I give up at my first failure or do I keep on going? And you, to me, are a woman who's mm-hmm. never given up. You personify so much resilience. And this is one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on the inaugural episode of COVID crusaders on the on the, this podcast. What was that aha moment, I should say, that defined you and that aha moment in 2020 that made you realize that you had to make some kind of a change or at least some kind of a significant event that rocked your world and said, okay, I've got to make some changes. I think
2: really it's about just not being truly perfect Professionally respected in what I did for a group and going back to my, you know, when you're working as a group and the success of the group is an accomplishment by the group. But when you don't get any recognition for that team effort, um, only uh, that's your job. I thought, you know what, this has probably been going on too long and I, I really think I need to make a job change because I think now I'm feeling kind of taken for granted. So my aha moment in 2020 was going back to that realization of, you know, there's no I in team. And when you work for a legal team, it's a legal team. So yeah, I'd have to say that my, my aha moment was recognizing the fact that I, I was doing a lot and really, really wanted more out of my career <laughs> even though I should be winding my career down. now. <laughs> but, but, um, but no, I actually, I, I, I think my career is probably heightening now, because there's just so much more opportunity, even though I'm in my 50s now. And that's so
1: true, because who says that we have to stop at age Mm 50? In fact, Mm -hmm. I find for me, I am just actually now discovering who I truly am. All Mm -hmm. those strengths, all those experiences, all those career transitions, always moving in this forward trajectory.
2: Yeah, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I actually feel so much smarter today." And I mean like intellectually smarter today and it has nothing to do with um you know your experience. I just mean, "Oh my gosh, now I want to be a sponge and get it all in. So send me to school, give me the training and 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 I can get that now where I am today."
1: I'm glad you said you feel smarter cuz that was actually one of my next questions was in that moment where you realized you had to make a change, what did it feel like in that moment? Was it a slow sort of transition or was it bang? You knew, you felt it in your instincts.
2: Well, I had, um, I think when I finally got the nerve up to finally Put myself out there and apply for some jobs you know you're I had been kind of mulling about it looking looking about and all that kind of stuff and you know headhunters reach out to you and you think I just don't know if I'm ready for this yet but when I finally made that decision and I had applied for the job that I'm in now and I'm like I'm really ready I really feel ready and I went I had that first interview And I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm a kid again, going for my first job. So I knew, I knew that this was good. And then I was recommended for the second interview. And it was with a panel of people from across Canada, all on video and not because of COVID, this is pre-COVID. And, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I'm, I'm, my palms are sweaty, my feet are sweaty, my armpits are sweaty, I'm super nervous. Um, but at the same time, that was pure excitement. And I'm like, oh my God, not I menopausal. want this. <laughs> and not menopausal, because <laughs> we all know what the hot flashes are like. No, it was like pure um, nervousness, like, like that nerve, but that excited nervousness. And I'm like, no, I want this, like so bad.
1: I like what you said about you felt like a kid again, this pure excitement, nervous, but excitable. And um, that childlike spirit. So again, going back Mm -hmm. to the reference, once again, I had to read the book, Robert Green Mastery, highly recommend it to anybody out there who's listening, Robert Green. And he talks about our mastery, our creativity, is that ability to connect back with that childlike spirit. Things that get us all giddy inside and make us feel like, okay, I'm on to something. Because that is its, in essence, its pure rawest nature of who we are instinctively, who we want to be, Mm -hmm. or the job that we want to chase after, or the goal or the change you want to make. And I want to hear more then now about that transition, like actually not only trying for this job, having the courage to put your application in for this job. But then what happened next? Oh gosh. Okay. So then they phoned me
2: just after Christmas last year. So 2020 that is, and they're like, "Congratulations, we want to offer you the job." And I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> One of those. Oh my god. Now what do I do? I've been in my current job, and then all of a sudden I got. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now I got to quit my job. Holy cow. Anyways, um, and they they gave me a start date. Um, I told them, you know, professionally I need to give four to six weeks' notice, so even though it really legally I only have to give two. But you know, when depending on what you do, it's you, you, know, you have a professional responsibility to live up to. So I gave my six weeks notice mid-February, beginning of February. I can't remember. Anyways, I gave lots of notice. And then you know of course you're listening to the news um oh go and going into notice oh my gosh sorry let me back up to that you know i i wrote my resignation letter um i called my manager into the office i said do you have a few minutes just to speak to me and um and she's like yeah sure can you tell us about it? and i said well no, no like let's just talk about it during the meeting so she came into the meeting and i gave my notice and she says well um okay and and i kind of thought okay well that that's fine and then and then i knew i had made the right decision when she had said to me okay do you mind if i make some notes so that we can learn about what to do better the next time <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> Uh, Yes, I made the right decision, (laughs) but um, but anyways, and then yes, so it's going to be starting the beginning of April, um, and I wanted to take a little bit of time off, um, so I gave my notice, and I was going to finish up uh, the middle of March, and then of course you know pandemic things start coming in, and you know you only hear about in Europe and Asia, and then you hear about a few cases in Canada, and then. You know, uh, the company I worked for is, is you know, they start having uh, what do they call it, a, a pandemic group to talk about ways to, how are we going to mitigate this, you know, from a company perspective, they, they oh your last week at work, you're going to have to work from home. So when you leave on Friday, make sure you pack all your stuff up because the next week's also your last day. <laughs> The office. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I packed everything up, and then, um, and then of course, uh, they shut the airlines down and everything like that. So then, um, then my company said, would you mind staying till the end of March? And I thought, well, i I can't go on a holiday now. The planned holiday I had is now canceled. I was going to go visit my daughter, and. So I worked until the end of March, had the weekend off and started in April at my new job and had my computer couriered to me, my monitor couriered to me, my whole onboarding process um, sent to me, my login credentials. It was quite, um, quite an experience being onboarded in a new job. 100% remotely and it's strange because I had always said oh my gosh I would love to work at home full time this would be so cool but all of a sudden you don't have an IT department to say hey I don't get this (laughs) right help help so if in doubt yeah there was no there's no reboot on this though there's like what I don't get this i totally don't get this and then of course age sets in and i'm like oh my god i'm so stupid i don't get this <laughs> the odd f-bomb <laughs> well no maybe more than the odd f-bomb maybe that was <laughs> every third or fourth word but um no but actually you know what surprisingly enough it, it probably took two weeks to be onboarded. probably a week longer than it should have been but I think I was the second person to only be remotely onboarded. So um, I think it went very well. I know that all my managers were really pleased with the onboarding process.
1: And yeah. And I've seen your house. Yeah. It's a bloody command center in your kitchen. It's remarkable. And you still manage to be able to cook a great meal in between monitors and (laughs) stacks of papers. (laughs) (laughs) You've got this thing down pat. Yeah. it's,
2: It's a bit of a command center. I I did have that a little bit hidden away, but then, you know, pandemic issues and the, the daughter I was going to visit, I ended up calling back home. Um, so, my office, which was a bedroom, which became an office, is now back to a bedroom again. And my office is in the kitchen. <laughs> I
1: mean,
2: and you, but that's okay.
1: You, and that's okay because that's what we do as Gen X women, we make it work. Exactly. It, it is what it is. You, 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 can't, you know what? It's completely out of your, your control. So who cares? Yeah. And the perfect description, I would say, of, of you in this case, Sharon, is from, um, again, another reference to uh, Ada Calhoun's book, <laughs> Why Women Can't Sleep. I mean, are you sleeping? You can't be sleeping. <laughs> but she's describing this, this inner courage, this, this fire, this bangle tiger strength of Gen X women. And she says, she makes a reference to one of her friends who is a very successful entrepreneur. And in that um, conversation, her friend says, you know, I would hire all Gen X women to do all the hard, laborious, tedious work in our company because we're resilient. We can have six screens open at once and not miss a damn thing. We're not crybabies. We are capable. We will work long hours. We have zero sense of self-entitlement. We speak up and we hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. That is a lovely description of you, in my opinion. And I've (laughs) known you a very long long time. Let's not say how long. Come on. (laughs) We won't get into those details. But it was around the time that your first child was born and he's 25. Just line that in there. (laughs) But yeah. um, And we're going to get back to that because that is a brilliant story. And I want to keep the listeners hanging on. But um, and, and in that regard, Sharon, you to me are this highly functioning woman. And if that by description of highly functioning is someone that takes calculated risks, i.e. leaving your job uh, for a new one, championing change in your own life, doesn't give up on the first failure and then always how to get gritty, whatever that gritty means. Um, and have this resilience this this is to me sharon is two levels she's happy and calm or she's over exuberantly happy and cool as a cucumber i mean did i sum that up just about right and how do you do this
2: Mm -hmm, how do mm -hmm. you
1: find your grit oh my god meds and
2: um, alcohol
1: And that's perfectly okay, as long as it's done in moderation. Well, it's, it's
2: meds first thing in the morning, and then it's alcohol in the evening. So I think that's a perfect balance. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, oh my gosh. So I thrive on now don't get me wrong, I've got anxiety. But stress, I thrive on workplace stress. So like the more stressful the thing I'm doing, the more, um, the more I want it to be successful, because generally speaking, they're quite complicated things. But turning something super complicated into something quite simple, I love to do. Like when I'm doing a research thing for work, where I'm I'm reviewing like I don't know a couple of hundred contracts. Um, you know, how am I going to lay this out? What, what are the things I'm going to, you know, draw out? How am I going to present this? Um, who's my audience and and all that kind of, that I kind of thrive on that. Now Mm -hmm. at home, a little bit different, (laughs) like work, I have control on home. You don't have as much control, hence the meds and the alcohol. (laughs) So, (laughs) but, um, You know, work, work stress is so different than home stress. Oh my God. You know, because home stress, um, you don't have complete control of it. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas work stress, most of it, you do have control over. You, You can, you can control things a lot better by reaching out to your team and saying, I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed with what I'm working on. Can you help me out? And vice versa for your teammates. Or you can reach out to your managers and say, you know what, I've got this big project. Can you maybe assign uh, yeah. that one to somebody else? So, but you can't do that at home. <laughs> you can't phone yeah. up a friend and say, hello, I can't deal with my friend, my, my kid right now. Can you please take him or her? Um, or, you know, the dogs are driving me crazy. Can you uh, take them out for two or three hours? You don't have, you don't act the same way you do at work. So, being in control at home. Is not quite the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you call in control. the comrades, is, yeah, and say, yeah. "Okay, you got take this one off of my plate while I focus on something else." I guess in the sense because you're all in in your team at work, you're all working for the same common mission, the same common goal, and yeah. ideally in a good um, organization that that exactly. prides itself on its team yeah you, you share in the same values, you're right. In a home life, we all have our individual values. We're all going uh-huh. off on our own agendas. When I had my when the kids were when my kids were
2: young, you know, you could phone your friend and say, "You know, I just need to go for a walk for 30 minutes. Do you mind coming over with your kids and watching my kids? That's totally different. You can't, you can't do that with teenagers and you can't do that. All my kids are adults, too. And I have two adult kids living at home.
0: Oh, it's very different two adult kids so you have a family now well there's you're a family of five four adults mm-hmm. in two dogs and the crazy cat yeah, yeah. Cat,
2: cat passed away cat passed away so just so just the two dogs two adult children husband and me
0: I want to read something to our listeners. This really, really got to me because I'd asked you um, what gives you purpose and identifies your drive to move in a forward direction. I just want to read out what you said because it was so beautiful when you made reference to um, outside your profession and to your family. You said, at home, it's my family's happiness that gives me purpose. Got me right there. The things like your kid saying, I love you before they go to bed or hang up the phone. Friends with strong shoulders when I need someone to lean on if I'm overwhelmed. A husband, this is beautiful. A husband who asks what I like for supper and then gets everything organized for it and even cooks it. And then my dog's excitement when I come home after only having been out for 30 minutes, but to them, it feels like I've been gone for years. Is this one of the tricks that you use to go back to sort of that mental check, like that pause, one, two, three, take a breath, and then just try to identify. Yeah. yeah. Give us an example.
2: Actually an example I'll give us last night, my, my son, my uh, he was in the living room and he had this thing and he, and he's 25 and it was, I don't know where he got it, but anyways, it's those little sticky toys. Remember you used to get them when, and you put them on the window and they'd stick on the window. Well, he's like, look at this. It sticks anywhere. And he threw it up at the ceiling. And I'm like, what the fuck? It's got oil on it. You're going to wreck it. You know, I've got 11, I've got 11 foot ceilings. You can't just reach it. So then he had to get the ladder and then he had to, you know, like 15 minutes of trying to get it off with a broom, smushing it into the ceiling more. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm gonna freaking lose it. It's okay, it's okay. Just get the damn ladder, get it off the ceiling. And then, you know, so he gets the ladder, gets it off the ceiling and he's and he, he goes and puts it in the trash and then he comes back and he goes, I'm sorry, mom, I shouldn't have done that. And I go, it's okay. We'll just have to paint this ceiling. <gasps> and then my daughter said, <laughs> when I went to bed, she says, I love you, mom. Have a good night. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like, so it's like, okay, yeah, I kind of lost my cool last night. But at the end of the day, it's like there was an apology. There was an I love you. Everybody, i not going to say everybody was 100%, you know, happy because the mark was on my ceiling. <laughs> but, but you know what? It can be fixed. <laughs> It's not tragic. You know, you can
0: always leave it there. It's just the
2: first thing I see when I walk in the room now.
0: <laughs> Talking about your kids, your family, this is, this is enough, another great way to segue into my very first question I asked of you. And I, I asked, why do you think that it was that I chose you for this very first episode of Unfacts?
2: Well, I mean, you and I have known each other for a very long time. Uh, we were in the military together, um, although I didn't work for you. I only saluted you. <laughs> I only saluted you. And <laughs> I that, it was just
0: like one of those, yeah, whatever. <laughs>
2: there was that old bar thing you had, yeah. And then um, and then we also went on a, uh, you know, once all of us were out of the military, so to speak. Not out of the military, but we were on a break. Me, I was fully out. Actually, I guess you guys were just on vacation. You weren't out yet. Anyway, we all went to Australia it together. Honeymoon. It was your honeymoon. But mm-hmm. we were also going to a mutual thing. And took our baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got screeched in. <laughs> uh, your husband screeched me in. And let's see what else. And, and I, I lived with your husband for a year at my house.
0: That's right, a couple of years ago when he was finishing off his commercial flying license. You know, yeah. that's the word alone. To accept my husband under your roof. You thought it was hard with your kids living at home. And of course, I think it was just Alex at the time. You yeah. literally adopted another child into your household. And there you are. Yeah except for poor Zoe, your dog. It was uh, like an all-male, all-testosterone household. Uh, that's of no different. Thank,
2: thank God, I had brothers growing up. So really, you know, the burping and the farting was just par on the course.
0: We're <laughs> <laughs> used to it. You know, it's so funny. I was taking down some notes about, you know, what your response would be to that question why I asked you first and what my answer was. And of course you alluded to Australia and I wrote down three things. The Canadian table at the Australian Italian wedding—how we took that bloody place by storm! Yes, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, if it was—and I
2: think it was. Did was it? Yeah, we got the Canadian flag from the embassy.
0: <laughs> went to the embassy in Sydney, Australia, and picked up Canadian paraphernalia, as if our voices and our accents to them wasn't enough to identify yep. our Canadian heritage. No, no, we needed the, all the accoutrements to go with. Yeah. And not just any flag, the Canadian embassy's flag. <laughs> the Canadian embassy's flag. There was that. I wrote down, sociable that was our, our word. <laughs> I woke up no. with a very heavy head the next day and it yeah. was worth it and then screech, yeah. and anybody might be listening what is screech that is a Newfoundland tradition you get this god-awful rum you kiss the cod. <laughs> <and your Screech laughs> kiss the cod bite. <laughs> a shot the most remarkable thing happened that night too in Australia and I hope Naveen, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> she has a son as a result of Screech Night.
1: <laughs>
0: and
2: See,
1: I think everybody named Screech Screech. <laughs> That's
2: his nickname is Screech. Nickname- I don't think he likes it very much though.
0: <laughs> so you've been back to Australia a couple of times because your daughter moved over yeah, there. a
2: few t- yeah, a few times because my daughter my daughter moved over there for a couple of years and our mutual friend in Australia um, was gracious enough to take her in for a period of time.
0: And over there during a very difficult time. So when the pandemic hit and she's that far away from home. Yeah, that
2: was a little stressful. Mm -hmm. She, yeah. And and she had to go for a couple of COVID tests, um, both negative, thank goodness. But That's when I started thinking, you know, if she gets this, nobody can go there and help her. And she's going to school and I'm thinking, you know, just bring her home and she can finish up school here. Took a lot to convince her, but I think she started to, the the mental health of really feeling isolated Mm -hmm. there and not being able to come home and then go back for school. Or me coming there or my husband coming there or anybody coming to visit her for that matter. Um, I think it finally caught up to her and she agreed to come home and, um, and finish up school here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and it was a challenge even getting her home too.
0: What was one thing that you felt you needed to do to maintain some kind of mental stamina yourself, if you will, to be some kind of pillar of strength or a role model? For your daughter Cal-
2: being calm <laughs> no matter no matter how scared no matter how mad mm-hmm. nothing I'd have to say being as calm as you can really thinking about your words before you say them which also means that you have to speak a little bit slower and I uh, And I find when you do think about the words that you say, you say them uh, a lot more quietly too, which comes across as more Mm -hmm. calm. So even when you're mad and I've been, and I have been mad at her, you're like, I'm not really sure you thought about what you did before you did it. You know, so so just using so you you're just trying to pick the right words, which means that you're not raising your voice, you're coming across a little bit more calmly and and just saying them slowly. And and it's not patronizing or anything like that. Like you're just really picking the right words and saying them calmly. And I'd have to say that's probably been the best thing. For everybody, um, I still lose it every now and again. Though, not gonna lie, <laughs> you you can you can apologize, but you can never take back the words. So, choosing if you're going to insult somebody, make sure it's not something that
0: you're saying out of anger. <laughs> it has lasting, damaging effect. That these things resurrect years later in their lives. Um, Yes. And they come back to haunt us and them. So you're right. I mean, I think everyone can benefit from that sage advice. I and mean, calm is one of your redeeming qualities. And so it's it, it doesn't surprise me that that would be your response. And I honestly thought if I could have called in a friend, when you're in those situations, like, what do I do next? next how do I answer this? You got to call Sharon. She's got to be that voice of reason and calm with with me because I have moments where I cannot... <laughs> keep the volume (laughs) or the tone of my voice (laughs) i'm learning
2: and and sometimes a quick dog walk Mm your head and then you can come back step away i've done that many times i've had to tell my son to do that many times my husband has done that my daughter hasn't been home long enough to have to do that yet but she does go for many walks anyways Mm -hmm. when she's feeling really cooped up
0: that's really um, a great spot for us to move into flashcards. The last part of our interview. This is where I throw it oh at wow. one or And one of those words actually will probably um, speak to what we've just been talking about, if not all of them. Flashcards. Okay. Are you ready? Here okay. It is. Yeah. Okay. Spirituality.
2: Spirituality. I'd have to say inner peace.
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah yeah goes with your your demeanor of that call. <laughs> <laughs> you're a highly spiritual person amen if that's the definition.
2: Yeah uh, yeah inner peace, inner peace. If you're not at like, peace if you're not at peace fit with, with yourself, well you can't be at peace with anything. there you go.
0: Yeah amen. Leadership Achievement.
2: I think I think. And, and leadership, to me, has nothing to do with being the boss. It's <sighs> achievement.
0: So being the leader yeah, of it just, own destiny.
2: Exactly. Achievement. I've achieved many things with people and without people. And I'm not a boss. I've been a mentor. I've been a mentee. And I've achieved a lot. But to me, it, it's achievement. That's beautiful. Failure. Failure would have to reflection reflecting on why why was there failure and learning from that
0: mm-hmm. yeah and again and it, because it's not permanent it's a stepping stone. no
2: sometimes your greatest achievements can come from failure
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know what it's interesting tying that into your definition of leadership then leadership does probably require an element of failure Really, you
2: think? About oh, it. definitely. You have to learn. You have to. Nobody's hundred percent accurate all the time. Right. You know, there's building blocks. There's failures. There's stum- There's stumbling even, and comes achievement. And achievement can be in so many different ways. It, can, right. it it can be, you know, a small achievement, or it can be a massive achievement. At the end of the day, it's still an achievement.
0: Mm -hmm. and not hanging the ego and trying to be absolutely perfect 100% of the time and missing the point of why you stumbled yeah exactly
2: yeah next word frailty not having the strength for one reason or another so Mm -hmm.
0: afraid maybe being afraid Mm -hmm. oh okay so you could say almost it it maybe hide with fear in some regard would you see that
2: or is that i'm not sure actually i just think sometimes there's just weakness and you 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 just just want to kind of yeah i guess kind of hide from it um mm-hmm. you're afraid of it uh you're afraid to put yourself out there you're afraid to deal with the consequences so many
0: different things so then so- my next word might be the best way to overcome that and that word is wine <laughs> wine oh my god <laughs>
2: yeah yeah I could use a glass of that right now but I'm dry I'm I'm on a dry out
0: this month January <laughs> yeah, dry out I think a lot of people <laughs> like, maybe a 2020 dry out <laughs> oh my
2: god. I'm giving my liver a break this month <laughs> Yeah, it's no longer. I think I'll just have a glass of wine with dinner. Mm, I think I'll have a bottle of wine with dinner. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh shit, do I have to open up a second bottle of wine? I, did, who opened it? Or who drank my first bottle?
0: <laughs> I think us women worldwide, people worldwide, are just nodding their heads <laughs> saying, yeah. Yeah. yeah 2020 was definitely summarized in, in a bottle I've, I've got a lineup of corks actually and i put the date on the cork if it was a significant event and i, and I believe i did this at our house one time year. Oh. we signed the cork and yeah said, hey this bottle was open for this particular occasion like everybody signed the cork it, it's almost like a story in itself and but i realized oh, yeah. there's a hell of a lot more corks than any other year combined <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, that's why I started buying screw tops.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're putting the corking industry out of business. I mean, there was like fitness people who were trying to make nice cork mats, <laughs> yoga mats, and we were taking all this they, Okay, we got yeah. two more on our flashcards. I love this one. Sex. I think I got three kids, so... <laughs>
2: No, no, what I always reflect back on that video of that lady down in the US. I ain't got no time for that shit.
0: <laughs> it's just one of those fun no. words to say. Let's mm. see what happens with it. I love it.
2: I love it. Just don't get it.
0: <laughs> but in retrospect, it is because of this word that leads to the next word, and we'll finish off there motherhood.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Like as, as we're talking right now, my daughter's like, can I have your computer please, mom? There we go. Motherhood. (laughs) Yeah. Motherhood. Um, yeah, basically not, it's, I can't sum it up in one word, not being selfish. So what's that? Unselfishness. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. yeah Yeah. unselfishness so true you you you, yeah you just you kind of got to go with the flow
0: so true right now
2: anyways right now
0: and that unconditional love yeah for our children no matter what the stakes are yeah Yeah. so hmm. this was such a great time just always connecting with you regardless of the situation (laughs) the phone and hashing it out and uh, and I should we should replicate this when I'm no longer sober. Okay, <laughs> so we'll book you <laughs> in. <laughs> we'll just do the flashcard session. We'll do a flashcard <laughs> session. There might be like a spin-off podcast, and we'll just call it flashcards. <laughs> Random thoughts. <laughs> Sharon, thank you so much <laughs> for bravely, courageously stepping. Oh, thank you, Mary. The very first guest in <laughs> the this inaugural podcast. You know, it's all about uh, taking chances and following that instinct, saying, you know, my instinct is guiding me to, this is what I want to do with my life and my career. Just like the instincts that you may have had experienced when you made that transition in your career during a COVID-19 year, nonetheless, and survived it beautifully. So thank you again, Sharon. And I dedicate this first episode to all those who have and continue to serve as uh, whether in policing, or as a uh, military member in some capacity, and our first responders who really stepped up during 2020 for COVID-19 and continue to do so. I give my greatest gratitude to all. Mm-hmm. It's been a pleasure, Sharon. And we'll reconnect. Thank you. It's awesome. Yes, okay. In this episode, I mentioned three great reads, some of my favorites. And if they're not on your bedside table, on a bookshelf somewhere in your home, on your Kindle app or downloaded in Audible, or whatever your favorite listening device might be, I highly recommend you consider getting them. Why We Can't Sleep by Ada Calhoun. It's a deep dive into the complexities of life as a Gen X woman at her middle age stages of life. Ada researched many women to get their perspective and surprisingly, they all have one thing in common, equality. I see in Sharon. I won't give much away of the book or the plot, but I'll take you to one of my favorite quotes. The world ignores middle-aged women at its peril. Robert Greene, a brilliant author responsible for their masterful work in his book, Mastery. Green cleverly dissects the lives of some of the world's greatest masters. Albert Einstein to Leonardo da Vinci, Charles Darwin, and so many more. Some individuals you may never have heard of, but reading through their journey to mastery will sure make you understand why they are worthy of recognition i will confess after reading this book i was able to better hone in on my true calling in life want to find out how to develop your hidden talent here's a hint get creative flex your brain and become more childlike in spirit a third book i mentioned is grit the power of passion and perseverance by angela duckworth just a word about me now your host I like to connect the dots if you haven't already drawn that conclusion. All the time, I can't help but refer back to a book, a quote, a presentation, a speech someone gave once. I hear friends tell me their story and I begin to unravel and dissect it down to little life lessons. I'm always looking for opportunities to tie real life stories to common situations in the hopes that it will help someone, or maybe even myself. We all can learn from one another. Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, Tipping Point, there I go again, calls this type of individual personality trait a connector. Gladwell attributes the success of connectors to, quote, their ability to span many different worlds. And that is a function of something, quote, intrinsic in their personality, like a combination of curiosity, self-confidence, social ability, and energy. Now, I'm not so certain I'm quite the social networker and jet setter, as Gladwell's description alludes to, but I am certain that the social reach of this podcast can help make those deep-seated connections for the listeners. It's the reason why I wanted to launch this podcast in the first place. Making connections. It's my passion. It's my hidden force. And that's a little hint to you for the book, Mastery. I really hope you enjoyed listening today. Stay tuned for some great episodes coming up once a week. Our next guest is going to be a life coach. And if she doesn't have some great lessons in life to teach us, I don't know who can. We're also going to hear later on this month from our first responder and what it was like for her in the middle of a pandemic. The Unfax is a podcast brought to you by MGG Communications, Inc., a brand strategy company focused on building authenticity through storytelling. Because at MGG Inc., our story is telling your story.